0: Welcome to The Plastic First Mile, a podcast series by Sustainable Asia. My name is Marcy Trent Long. In Season 9, we dig into how different countries in Asia are tackling the challenge of getting plastic beverage bottles from the hands of consumers and onto a second life at a plastic recycling facility. Last episode, we looked at the gold standard, Taiwan's plastic first mile. In this episode, we cross the South China Sea to the shores of Sustainable Asia's home here in Hong Kong, where a consortium of stakeholders is taking on the task of plastic beverage waste in the face of government inaction. To start this story, we have to go back to 2012, when during Typhoon Vincente, six 40-foot containers of tiny translucent plastic pellets were dumped into the sea near Hong Kong.
1: When I got to the beach, I almost cried. There was a vessel passing just east of the Nine Pins Island group, which lost three containers, three 40-foot containers overboard.
0: Are Actually millions of plastic pellets that have been washed up onto the shores of at least 10 beaches in hong kong
2: pesticides uh, ddt all the man-made toxic carcinogenic chemicals that are in the water they get absorbed into these noodles these things absorb will be absorbed into the flesh of the fish and thus if
1: we eat the fish we absorb those as well
2: and unless we can get them off the beaches they're all going
0: to end up in the sea as well The microplastic pellets that poured into the ocean were covering Hong Kong beaches like a blanket of snow. As beach cleanups continued in force, local residents began to realize that it wasn't just scattered pellets they were collecting. Bags and bags of plastic PET beverage bottles and other types of plastic waste were also being cleaned up across even the most remote beaches. It was a real wake-up call here, and created new eco-warriors in Hong Kong that demanded a change in how we managed our plastic waste here. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Can I start now? I'm Dana Winograd from Plastic Free Seas. This is one of the most dedicated NGO workers you ever want to meet. She originally volunteered doing beach cleanups with Plastic Free Seas during the micro pellet spills. Now she's head of operations at Plastic Free Seas in Hong Kong.
3: Plastic Free Seas is a registered charity here in Hong Kong. We provide education on the issue of plastic marine pollution.
0: Dana believes that one of the best ways to bring awareness to the issue of ocean plastic is through beach cleanups.
3: First of all, at a beach cleanup, if we do segregate the waste, then people actually see what's washing in from the ocean. So they see that it's their everyday items that they're using. They see the straws, they see the the forks, they see the takeaway lunch boxes, and they see the bottles. We teach them that if we find clean drink bottles on the beach, we can recycle them, and we let them know that that one that you dug up from the bushes, that was already deteriorated, that had a lot of oil on it, whatever from the ocean, it's not recyclable. So we're teaching them about clean recycling. The other thing is just that a lot of people aren't aware that all this plastic is in the ocean. It's one thing to hear about it in the news, but when they actually go down there and see it, they connect with it much different level. So we've had students who have walked off of the beach and said, I'm not buying any more water in a plastic bottle after I saw that big pile of bottles that we collected. That's the whole point of bringing somebody down to the beach. On the one hand, yes, we're taking the rubbish out of the ocean, out of the marine environment, off the beach. But even more important is the effect that it has on their behavior. Once they see and make the connection with their daily habits and they see what's washing in from the ocean, that's when you get the biggest change.
0: So with the rising cries in Hong Kong and around the world to do something more about ocean plastic waste and with individuals wanting to take action to resolve the problem, was it now time for the beverage bottle producers to step forward as well?
1: Talking now, in a sense, in my role as looking after sustainability for Swire Coca-Cola, obviously globally plastics, and rightfully so, has been strongly vilified. And I think a large part of the discussion argument now is the fact that a lot of this packaging was designed to get that product to a customer in a safe form, but it never really was designed for the collection and the recycling piece.
0: That was William Davies of Swire Coca-Cola. Swire is one of the oldest companies in Hong Kong dating all the way back to the 1860s. But it wasn't until 100 years later, in 1965, that Swire entered the Coca-Cola bottling business.
1: We have the manufacturing distribution and sales rights from the Coca-Cola company for their products in the regions of southern China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and a stretch of the United States, which goes from kind of Seattle, Portland, all the way down to Arizona.
0: So William and Swire began thinking about where their plastic beverage bottles were ending up. Because at that time, the government wasn't exactly stepping forward with a plan of their own. William started pulling together a working group, which eventually became this consortium now known as Drink Without Waste. This alliance, which today has over 40 participants, has the stated purpose of reducing beverage consumption waste here in Hong Kong. So I asked William to tell me the story about how Drink Without Waste started.
1: Okay, so the genesis of the consortium which we've built up Drink Without Waste really came from the concept that most of Hong Kong's single-use soft drink packaging went to landfill. We as a a company or a corporate at that time were slightly concerned that the process was was taking a long time and it was going to impact on what the right thing to do is. So we had an idea that we'd try and write some research ourselves, but upon reflection we kind of came back to the viewpoint that if we did write some research by ourselves, ultimately it wouldn't have any credibility in the market because it would be undersigned by Swire Coca-Cola. And therefore most people would be, well, you're, you're writing this for self-interested purposes. So we reached out to a number of NGOs and, and some of the other producers and we said, look, we've got an idea. What happens if we all kind of came together as a consortium under a kind of strict terms of reference and an NDA to try and tackle this subject? And... Very happily, people bought into it.
0: So in September 2017, the single-use beverage packing working group was announced. The working group included Hong Kong's leading beverage producers and bottlers, who represented nearly half of bottled water and soft drinks sold in Hong Kong, along with major retailers, the waste industry, and local NGOs like Plastic Free Seas.
1: So almost the first order of the day was to commission some independent research, which we did via Deloitte's. And I think that garnished quite a lot of attention from the Environmental Protection Department, part of the Hong Kong government that is responsible for this. That was almost the end of kind of phase one.
0: According to this independent research, in 2017, more than 5 million PET plastic beverage bottles were discarded each day in Hong Kong. PET bottles represented 65% of the beverage containers sold here, and in 2018, less than 1% of PET bottles were sent for recycling. This compares to 70% in Korea and 95% in Taiwan. It was clear that something needed to be done—
1: When I spoke earlier about the kind of genesis of Drink Without Waste and how it was originally in a sense of a core nexus of NGOs plus the producers, we realised as we did more research via people like Deloitte was that there were a lot of stakeholders that were important in this. So the first conversations we had to have were, you know, do they feel that they share some responsibility in this? And luckily the, the kind of overwhelming feeling was they did. So there were natural groupings of people to bring in to Drink Without
0: Waste. But the government was still not included, and there's some history behind this. Hong Kong prides itself on being listed every year as one of the top three places in the world to do business. One of the factors in that evaluation, the amount of regulations imposed on businesses. So in the past, Hong Kong government sat on the sidelines to allow businesses to create voluntary commitment alliances. And if those commitments were efficient and impactful, then Hong Kong might consider replacing them with regulation.
1: But ultimately, as I say, drink without waste is is driven to actually try and address and solve the problem, as are the Environmental Protection Department. So, you know, we have a very common aim. We may have slightly different understandings or beliefs over how we deliver that aim and over the time schedule, but, you know, we both have a common purpose.
0: As the Single-Use Beverage Package Working Group continued to grow and gather momentum, it became clear that it needed its own leadership.
2: Yeah, my name is Paul Zimmerman. I've been in Hong Kong since 1984. used to run my own business. And then in 2010, I was elected into uh, the district council. I'm also on the board of Civic Exchange. And together with the beverage industry, we've set up a uh, working group for uh, single-use beverage packaging. And the initiative is called Drink Without Waste. And they made me the chairman there. (laughs) Well, I, I guess they wanted somebody who can speak up and coalesce a large group of people with different interests into a common position on on how to handle the, uh, the waste from our beverage consumption. So they asked me to do that.
0: Paul was experienced in the building of foundations of new environmental groups. He'd already done that with Civic Exchange and the NGO Designing Hong Kong. So what were the first steps in setting the groundwork for Drink Without Waste?
2: And... Uh, In the first year, we agreed on the strategy, but that's, of course, playing monopoly. It's not real money. It's easy to agree a strategy. But we got everybody to basically agree on the basic principles, which is to reduce by asking people to bring their own bottle and for the industry to install dispensers, to make sure that all the packaging materials we use can be recycled and and to try to avoid materials that you cannot recycle or to start a recovery program and to incentivize people to come bring their beverage packaging back and to make sure that we build the recycling capacity for that material when it comes back so it can be reprocessed and reused for packaging materials. So, those are the four key principles, and everybody is agreed on that in 2018. And in 2019, the focus is on implementation.
0: The consortium Drink Without Waste was born. A key component of the Drink Without Waste strategy was to build plastic recycling capacity inside Hong Kong. So Swire found some partners and committed to building a new plastic recycling plant here in Hong Kong. But that's a multi-million dollar investment. I asked William Davies, why would Swire Coca-Cola be willing to invest that kind of money in a project like this?
1: So the way Any kind of franchisee bottler works with the Coca-Cola company is very much in synergy. So the Coca-Cola company have come out with a global, I guess, kind of pledge or strategy called World Without Waste. And that has kind of three strings to it. The first one is that they have said that all their products will be technically recyclable by 2025. And by 2030, 50% of their products will be made of 50% recycled matter. And for every package they put into the environment, they will take one out. So effectively, what we're doing in Hong Kong fits perfectly into World Without Waste because, you know, we will be agnostic on bottles. We're not just there to collect why Coca-Cola's bottles. Is anybody's PET bottles. And frankly, any PET product that is clean, we will endeavor to recycle into a food-grade ready PET flake that can be reused again within the industry. So our bottles are technically recyclable. Where we fall down is if we're not part of a collection system Then effectively, they go to landfill or worst case, they escape into the environment, you know, whether it's the countryside or the waters. So in all of our markets, we are very much trying to address and work with many other partners to be a part of the collection. The collection is the single hardest thing.
0: So Drink Without Waste is so far a story with a happy ending. Terrible plastic pellet spill in Hong Kong meets eco-warriors who then spur Hong Kong industry to do something about plastic bottle pollution. But as with all happy endings, there could be a twist to the story, as many of us are realizing with The Plastic First Mile. In our next episode, now that Drink Without Waste Consortium is established and a PET plastic recycling plant is being built, how will a plastic bottle move from the consumer through the windy streets of Hong Kong Island, across the harbor, and find its way to the new plastic recycling facility outside Kowloon? Season 9, Asia's Plastic First Mile, is hosted by me, Marcy Trent-Long. Wu Yu Fei is our associate producer. Sound engineering by Chris Wood. And a big thank you to our Sustainable Asia team Josie Chan, Crystal Wu, Bonnie Ao, Ariane Derossier, Joshua Lee, and Jill Baxter. Alexander Mobison created the intro outro music made from repurposed and recovered waste items. You can find his work on www.kalelover.net. For those of you in Hong Kong in September, check out the upcoming Rethink 2020 event, focused on helping businesses accelerate change towards a more sustainable future. Check out their website, rethink-event.com, to find out more.